hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. Welcome back to A Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. Thrilled is what I am to be back with the wonderful Harrison. Say hello, Harrison. Hello. And the wonderful Mrs. Remington. Say hello, Mrs. Remington. I'm doing American accent. Hello. I would say it has Come not in. been, it has not been, a, no, no, I'm not starting again. Uh, It has not been a day since we last recorded episode one. It's in fact been about 10 minutes. But in the interim, we have introduced Harrison to a number of classic hit series monsters, namely the Vervoids and the Creature from the Pit. Harrison. Which can we just say, which we can, can we just say, listener? (sighs) Harrison did my absolute all time favorite thing where he said, Oh, I'm sure the Vervoids aren't that bad. And just as he said that, I sent him a picture. And without a, even a breath, he went, oh, Jesus, look at them. <laughs> and when he saw the creature from the creature from the pit, he just went, bah! <laughs> It just burst oh. out laughing. I um, just, oh. The production values back then. Oh, beautiful. Do you beautiful feel creatures. Do you feel those creatures would have a harmonious relationship? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I reckon they'd, they'd make one... Do you know what? I'm sure they'd make beautiful children. I think it's a bit disappointing, actually, that the production values have gone down so much to, by the end of time compared <laughs> to those. Yeah. Mm. Can I just say, Big Finish, if you're listening, Harrison has written the perfect story there. Go on, what's that? Huh? Well, well, Creature from the Pit and <laughs> the Vervoids having children. Okay, oh, let's, let's move wow. into the episode, shall we? Yeah, <laughs> Uh, I mean this goes out with an X-rated tag I should have said that from the start Harrison if you wish to swear please go ahead if you want to say god this is effing boring then (laughs) you can Um, will do will do okay so after a slightly overlong episode one where we were all a bit confused by the end (laughs) let's see oh sorry well Harrison and I were confused at the end Uh, let's skip into episode two so you both ready to press play Yes. I'll count us in. In five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. It's interesting because we were we were saying that you're more of a fan of this episode, aren't you? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Whereas I'm, I, I, I sort of am, but I still think the first part's better. Where do you stand, Harrison? Again, I haven't seen these episodes in a long time. The first episode, I I did feel was a bit... It did have a lot of contrived moments in there, especially with what the characters' goals were to how they got there and how this master's plan is all playing out. Because the... Uh, what was I, I, I keep forgetting the guy's name. Uh, Mr. The guy Maysmith. who wants his daughter. Maysmith. Maysmith. Because Maysmith wants his daughter to stay alive. It's like, why? Like, there's not a, a whole lot of agency behind it. It just feels like, yeah, he just wants her to be beautiful. I mean, had they done something more dramatic, like, oh, maybe she was, you know, she was like, she was on the verge of death or something, or he wanted her to extend, he wanted her, to, he wanted to extend her life in a meaningful way. Could have been. Oh my god, you've just rewritten that. That would be a million times better and make perfect sense. But she's young and beautiful, so why the hell? Yeah, yeah. 
I think, do you know what? That all of that part one was just to get us to the end, which was all the masters. That was that was basically. Oh, look at this! Mm. I, remember this I remember, I remember they, I remember they spoiled Timothy Dalton being a um, time lord, didn't they? Oh, Wasn't there a thing yeah. where they, they, they sort of papped a photo of him with time lord stuff on him and. You see this, um, this, this, oh, well, I, I was going to call it a set, but this CGI set, it's very Star Wars, isn't it? With, uh, you know, it's like massive with big, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a cross between Star Wars and, uh, like the prequel Star Wars and Guillermo del Toro's kind of style, which is something I've really enjoyed about this era. Yeah. Interesting fact. Uh, Patrick Stewart was offered that part of Timothy Dalton's originally. Oh, really? Little, little, yeah, apparently. Um, when David Tennant was doing Hamlet, which was the year they shot this, um, they approached him about being Rassilon. Did he refuse Can I say it? that? Or could he, just not, could he just not do it? Rassilon, yeah. Um, I think he, he sort of said he didn't want to get involved in another big sci-fi franchise, which I don't know. Part of me would have liked to have seen Patrick Stewart in this, but at the same time, it's... James Bond. Could you imagine though? He would have been like, you know, Captain's Log, Christmas, and the Earth is coming to an Nah. Timothy Dalton's <laughs> voice was perfect for that voiceover. He could have read the shopping list and I would have been mm. gripped. I mean he may be James Bond, but to me it'll always be hot fuzz. Isn't it better to, to me it'll always be hot wrestle on. Hot wrestle on yeah. right. <laughs> What the hell just happened oh, yeah. to that woman? Isn't there a thing with uh, Hot Rassel on at the moment? It's of oh, Richard Armitage oh, in the yeah. uh, the new series. Woo! Oh, I can, yeah, I can, yeah, I can, uh, I can understand that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's like hot as a furnace, Rassel. That is <laughs> this uh, Harrison. This woman here, the 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 batty old one on the end, who's going burning, yeah. burning the prophecies. Uh. So there was a mm. character in a Tom Baker story called the Seeker, and she had like a yeah. pair of bones. And she went round going, the one you'll seek is here. And basically, yeah. it's, it's beat for beat the same character. Um, I don't know why you needed to know that, but I wanted to tell you. Yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Do you know who was offered that part originally? Oh, who, uh, It was me, but I just turned it down because I thought it was too similar to I, what I'm normally I, like. I can understand. <laughs> but you know that woman who just sort of like vanished into thin air there what did she just get erased from time altogether i think yeah i think she got obliterated like banner snaps kind of but more painful does anyone know where i can get one of those gloves because <laughs> i've got a, wouldn't I've got a list to complain yeah no i know i know i know i'm i'm, I'm jumping the gun a lot here mm. but another person who makes their final appearance in this story and i'm going to say this now because i know i'll forget later is is sarah jane smith because <gasps> this is the last time she ever appears in dot two yeah so i do oh. think we need to have a moment of silence oh, for God. her otherwise i'm going to burst into and a, a, as us kind of ending her with the tears in her eyes and the smile just knowing what's happening i think it's perfect mm. But like you, you know, you said about um, the episode one, episode two thing. I just think there's so much more happening in this episode, and I think it's pacier. I think the set pieces are better. I think there's more acting opportunities. There's just a lot more happening. That's why I like it. 
wonder if Doctor Who got an extra fee for playing all those masters. I doubt it. It's the BBC, darling. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Harrison, I interrupted <clears throat> you. Sorry. Oh no, I was going to say it does feel like it's flipped, but the setup it's built on, because the foundation's very shaky, it's a bit. I don't know. Hang on. Are you still not convinced, then? See, I love this interaction between um, uh, Bernard and the Master here. <clears throat> I love the bit where where um, he's like going down the phone, Donna, Donna. Like, I always be yeah. absolutely believe that they are grandfather and granddaughter. Mm. Have you ever heard "Right Said Fred," which is the song that Bernard Gribbins did in the sixties? Right Said Fred, isn't that um, oh, I'm too sexy? No, so. This is going totally off topic. So Bernard Cribbins did a song in the 60s called Right Said Fred. It's a really good song. But Right Said Fred, the band, uh, took it when they were naming the band. Does that make any sense whatsoever? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. But it's a great, it's a, yeah, it's a great song. I don't know why that I said that. I'm just going <laughs> to... Harrison, how did you find um, the Donna season? Did you think that was a good season of Doctor Who? Oh, that is a question. Um, uh, it's the one with, say, like with Pompeii, Planet of the Ood, the library two-parter with the, the shadows. I, I When I first saw the series, I loved the first episode. And then with the second episode, I think it was Planet of the Ood. Um, and yeah. I initially didn't like that. Looking back on it now, it is a good episode. It's just maybe that should have been saved for like the third episode or something because it felt like... Donna's just got back into this and then she suddenly slammed with this whole, like the moral horribles, yeah, yeah. horrible things that are going on in the, um, the Ood Empire or whatever that was. It really Not felt like at the beginning of that season they were trying to give her lots of reasons to emote because because she's known as like this comedy actress. So mm. she, she had the Pompeii episode, didn't she, where she's heartbroken at the end of that one. The, the planet of yeah. nude where she's heartbroken at the end of that one as well. i mean that's you know yeah that's yeah she has some really um really dark episodes yeah, yeah. Like, you know you know the library two-parter where where she's in the virtual world and she's got children and mm. they're in bed and then they both vanish and she's screaming oh. and it's so powerful it's it's terrifying yeah. Whereas you look at something like Unicorn and the Wasp and they're just having a laugh. Mm. Like, you know, that shows her comic. I mean, we know she's a good comic actress anyway, but do you know what I mean? It shows her good. Mm. She could do the comic stuff really well. Copyright on an I do wonder whether that should have been a second episode, but like, you have that as a second episode and then you get into the darker stuff, like you build yeah. up to it. Do you, do you, you, you know, you remember in that one, do you remember how sunny it is? So they filmed that episode. It's like episode seven but they filmed it yeah. before anything else because it was in the summer. They were like, no, we've got to do this when it's sunny. So we'll do this yeah. one first. Oh, so that was like one of their first episodes together, yeah. like as the two actors. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, that's cool. And they, they, they did have decent chemistry, the pair of them. Like, that mm -hmm. was a mm -hmm. good relationship. I used to work with a girl called Chloe at the theatre who never, never saw Dodge 2 in her life, never watched it. Um, and whenever I was at the stage door, she'd always be like, oh, who is it? Who is it now? Who is it now? Who, who are you? Who are you? Who's autograph again? And one week we had a Felicity Kemblin, 
who was in Unicorn of the Wasp, and I said, she said, oh, who are you waiting for now? I said, Fliss Kendall. She went, Fliss Kendall's in Doctor Who. I said, yeah. She went, who did she play? I said, oh, she played a woman who had sex with an alien wasp and gave birth to a, a <laughs> serial killer vicar. And she just looked at me and just went, right. And just walked out. <laughs> I think what was said about that conversation, it was just... And people say oh. the end of the last episode was absurd. You know, yeah. like... Oh, okay. So this whole... They're about to explain that, aren't they? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, you know I, I don't know if they needed to. I, I do like the fact that they give an explanation as to why he's so batty, that that noise in his head is basically driven him mad. And it's not his fault, because they show you here how it started. Hmm. But I kind of like the idea that he was just completely bonkers, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I I like so I've seen the classical episodes with the featuring uh, the master and this whole like the the uh, the knocking thing. This is all new who stuff. So yeah. when you see him just being evil in the previous series, you, you can buy into it because he's kind of like. That mustache twirling villain, but I suppose with the new Who series, they have to do something different. Yeah. I don't know if a twirling mustache, yeah, mustache twirling evil time lord would work. Do you, you know what? You know what's happened, don't you? Like shows like Buffy have come in where there's all this like character introspection, and you just can't get mm. away with being just a bad guy anymore. You've got to be a bad guy with a motive, you know. Yeah, I do. I, again, I would like, writing one hundred and one. If you're going to give a bad guy, uh, if you're going to have a bad guy, give them as much attention as you would the protagonist. Don't just be like, "Oh, they're a villain. They like evil things," because that is the most boring, boring motive. Oh God! For a villain, don't watch too much classic Who, then. Honestly, <laughs> but quite often, you know, it's, it's that thing, isn't it? Where a lot of villains, the best villains, are the ones that don't think they're villains. Yeah. You know, the ones yeah. that go, oh, I'm, I'm doing this because I think it's the right thing. They're not going, I want to take over the world because mm -hmm. I'm mad and I'm a villain. They're going, I want to do this because it will make everything better. Yeah. Which which a lot of Doctor Who doesn't do really as much. Well, there's a couple of people, but... Well, the Happiness Patrol, what was um, what was the uh, main president woman's um, goal? Yeah, oh, her what? goal was to make everyone um, happy, wasn't it? It was just that she wanted to make... The society that she lived in, happy, which but that, yeah. that was interesting because That's... you realize deep down she wasn't actually very happy, that was all a facade, and that was fairly interesting. I think she's a really interesting villain in a very bizarre episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's essentially Margaret Thatcher with a, a, an executioner made out of licorice all sorts. Yeah, I mean, if you look at uh, you've got the Candyman versus, what was it, Helen A? Is that her name? Yeah. 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 If you look at those two, Candyman kind of represents your classic kind of Doctor Who villain, or just a classic villain who's just evil for the sake of being evil. And then you've got Helen A, who is doing evil things because she thinks this is, like, this is a good thing to do. Hmm. Yeah, because she thinks what she's doing is right. She doesn't understand that. She doesn't understand that what she's doing is wrong because she thinks everyone wants to be happy. And I, that's the thing. I know we're not talking about end of time at all. But like, that's the <laughs> thing I love about the Happiness Patrol is that basically just the end of that is 
well, everyone's sad. You know, everyone yeah. has emotions. And I think that's what's so clever for me about the happiness control is it's not a big explosion. She doesn't get shot. She doesn't get killed. It's just saying... She, well, she loses a dog, doesn't she? she yeah, loses yeah a exactly. Dog. You know, and it's this you, massive you stab of grief and she just can't be happy anymore. Yeah. yeah. But in the meantime, two cactus people have just come in to save two the day. Two cactus people are coming to the rescue. <laughs> the yeah. Thank you for bringing us back to end. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> Very, very, yeah, very lucky. The cactus people were there. Mm. I do love their crappy, <laughs> their crappy little spaceship though. Is amazing. Mm. Do you think as well? Because we were talking about this on the verbal one. Do you think there's too many characters in this story? No, I, I think it's long enough that that they, they all get kind of enough attention. Had it been like a one episode, then yes. This is still half the amount of characters you get in a Chris Chibnall episode. <laughs> that is that is true because you've got yeah you've got the doctor yaz ryan graham and then the characters of the episode yeah well, exactly you got four two, two, two to three yeah two to three people extra do you know i love the fact this is just the the, the crappiest rescue <laughs> oh i also i also kind of love the fact that bless him bernard cribbins would have been would have been got, wouldn't he? Bless him. You know, it's a seventy-nine-year-old man running away from the master. It's like, would he? Would he actually? Is a go slow enough so that he doesn't? They don't. You don't catch him. Because we need him for the rest of the episode. He can do anything. That's true. I remember reading in one of the books, Rusty Davis. Someone that asked him, "Why did you make Vernon Cribbins? You know, do the whole knock four times thing?" And his response to that was, well, who wouldn't sacrifice their life for Bernard Cribbins? I was like, eh, he's got a point, to be fair. I, I, you know, I think that, that in terms of a twist, uh, that whole, you know, yeah, I've survived. Yeah, woo, and the music's all soaring. And then you just hear, bong, 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 bong. I think that's brilliant. I think that's a terrific twist. That was a jaw-dropping moment for me when watching this. I remember thinking, oh, my God. And then the sheer fucking hubris of David Tennant in that scene. I could do yeah. so much more, you know. <laughs> yeah, a bit after I was. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk more. I'll, I'll give my thoughts on that when we get to it in the episode. But um, I'll forgive anything, anything at all. And I know we're not there yet for the bit where um, Bernard Cribbins is inside the laser cannon. This, sorry to interrupt. This is so cute. This bit. He's just looking out, and it's just like we're in space. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So you're basically saying that Bernard Cribbins just salvages every part of this. Yeah, I mean he makes this. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. You've got to think that he's been looking up at the stars for years, and now he's actually in space. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He's he's up for months. Of them. And R Rusty Davis is is a good enough writer to pause for a second to give him that moment. Yeah, because there's a lot going on there, isn't it? But also, it's interesting because you look at like because his character was only ever supposed to be in Voyager: The Damned. You know, they say yeah. it was written that was what it was. It was written as a cameo for that, and that was it. And it was only because the actor who played Donna's dad sadly died that they brought him in. But they, if that had been a Moffat or a Chip thing, they wouldn't have expanded the character as much. If that gets what yeah. I mean, like. Bringing him back from just that tiny little cameo, I think people thought, "Well, why? He's a stool. Like he's a news. He's well, got a news okay. stool." I'm gonna, I'm gonna set you both a challenge here, Harrison and David. I defy you to find 
a family member character in either Moffat or Chibnall's time that is well as well defined as say Jackie Tyler, Sylvia Noble, Wilfred Noble, uh, Martha's family. Can you find anyone? I, I will say this is that is a really good point because when I was watching the um, uh, Matt Smith series for the first time and like Amy's parents like her points of contact on her weren't there, I found that very odd. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, maybe they'll continue. Like maybe they'll bring it back with Clara. They they do not do that. No. And I was like, okay, maybe they'll do it with Phil. And no, that doesn't happen again. Right. You do get her adopted mom, but again, we don't really get much of their relationship, their dynamic. Do you remember mm-hmm. Clara's gran, who was in like I was one gonna, scene? I was going to say, I, I loved her character. Yeah, she was hardly mm-hmm. in it at all, was she? And I mean, I, I, the only one that I'd liked was um, Yaz's mum, Nadia. Oh, yeah, I liked her. But well. again, you know, she was in one all right episode, but every time she's come back since, she's been in tiny little cameo. And I think that's, I think that's the only, one of the things I do like about the Chip is they have brought that family sense back, which Rosemary Davis did so well at bringing them yeah. back to Earth and going, this is what family life is like. It just needs a bit more of it, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Although um, yeah, I, f- I feel like we're all forgetting about the family that turned up for one scene in Resolution when the Wi-Fi went down, and they were like, <laughs> oh, oh, "What God, are we gonna do? Scene. Oh, we're gonna have to talk to each other." What? <laughs> why? Why? Might <laughs> oh, have a conversation. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? When I... when adults write children, it's usually a oh. fail, isn't it? Like oh. nine times out of ten. <laughs> I mean, I'm still not over the fact that they exterminated Harriet Walter in Revolution of the Daleks. And, oh, I love yeah. that bit. <laughs> I love that scene. I was, I was fuming. Why is oh, that? The, that's the newest one, isn't it? I, yeah, the Prime Minister. I never got around to watching that. <gasps> oh, no. sorry. Spoiler. Oh. I, honestly, it's fine. I've, I've heard through the grapevine what happens and... Uh, it's not. I've, I've not heard good things. I've not heard good things. Uh, didn't at one point she destroy a TARDIS yeah. to kill Daleks? Harrison, you need to talk to me. I thought it was great. No, I'm not saying. I'm, I, I enjoyed the episode. I just was fuming that they killed off one of my favourite actresses and basically gave it up in two. But we're not going to go into that because something. To <laughs> Wait, so right just now. just confirm with me. Did Jodie Whittaker destroy a TARDIS in order to kill a bunch of Daleks? Yes. Yes. That seems a bit odd to me, even for her character. Is it what? Basically, the yes. TARDIS is flying in space, uh, flying in, mm. in above the Earth, and all the Daleks yeah. are flying around it, um, yeah. and she's a hologram gang. Ooh, we're coming here. Woo-woo. And then they all fly into the TARDIS in a spectacular, visually spectacular sequence, and then the TARDIS mm. sort of crumples in on itself. I really like that but bit. Don't we... Isn't it established that TARDISes are like living things? Yeah. So she's killing a TARDIS in order to kill a bunch of Daleks, which I thought she was against yeah. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. if you look at Tom Baker, his whole thing about, I'm sure there was a Tom Baker episode where he's given the choice to kill all the Daleks in one go, but he's like, I, I can't do it. Same yeah. with uh, Christopher Eccleston. He has the choice to kill all the Daleks, but also wipe out part of the human population. And he goes, no, I can't do it. And then Jodie Whittaker's like, okay, there are all the Daleks in here, kill them all. Let's do it. 
But you know what? I will say that's not without precedent. Do you remember the end of that Matt Smith episode where they convinced you that those flesh avatar people were genuine people? And then at the oh, end, God. he murdered Amy, like, as a flesh avatar. And I'm like, what? Uh, and and less the less said about murdering that baby in her arms, the better. Oh, oh, that, is, oh that is. No, see, I like this episode. It's now thinking about that. Oh, that's kind of sinister. <laughs> Very sinister. <laughs> so this oh, is this is a tonight. a white point star, which is what now? So it's the time, isn't it? The time Lord's calling card. If I made that up, no, Ooh. possibly. Very clear. <laughs> Sorry, my microphone's fell on the floor there. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, he must have got sick to death of laughing. Oh, my word. Do you know, because we're all watching this on different screens, I just heard that skeletal noise, like, triplicated. Mm. <laughs> oh, I do love this. I love it when they go to, like, old factories and pretend it's a spaceship. Because like, it looks it looks genuinely like industrial. Well, they don't have to do anything, do they? No. There we go. Turn up. In fact, I love that thing—the fact that forty-two, which is all about being near the sun, was shot in December in like the coldest temperatures. <laughs> and again, they just shot it in a warehouse, and they didn't need to do anything to it because it was supposed to be like sort of a rundown spaceship. They just covered them in Vaseline, didn't they? Yeah. To make them look sweaty. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like this. I mean, this was probably all the Christmas stuff was probably shot in April. Did you guys no watch way. the um, the confidentials when they were on? Oh yeah, I loved them. Yeah, I managed to catch a few. I didn't catch all of them, but yeah, I kind of like miss that now, like the behind the scenes. Stuff. I do. You don't really know anything that goes on behind the scenes anymore. I do. Do we want to know what goes on behind the scenes of Chris Chibnall's episodes? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, there's this. Okay, hang on. There's this famous story. Oh, I am genuinely curious. I am genuinely curious, like how that all goes down. Yeah, in the read That's like, oh yeah, I, I just want to see the like the face by uh, people's um, reactions as they're reading these scripts. <laughs> just be like, okay, what is their initial reaction? <laughs> no, I mean the the next series. <laughs> I won't say anything because it's a spoiler, but like if, if what they've said about the next series, there should be some good things coming out. I'm not going to say anything because if people listen to this and they genuinely don't want spoilers, yeah, I won't. But when we come off air, I'll tell you. But I mean, we'll ambiguously kind of... say they're leaning into the past. Let's say that. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is yeah. that scene. This is that scene where Bernard Cribbins and David Tennant we were talking about. Oh. oh. Like these are the moments that count, right? These, these, mm. these scenes. Mm. The trouble is, you have to like sit the... through hours and hours of material to get to them. Mm. And also, you know, it shows off how good actors they are. That's the other thing about the Rusty Davis era. I mean, like I was saying about Catherine Tate, showing how amazing she is in the part of Donna, giving her stuff like the Pompeii episodes, and even with this with Bernard. I mean, showing that he can do the serious stuff as well as all the sort of silly dancing around in the reindeer hat the bit that you know in the climates where the doctor saves him from the glass door the bit that really works there is him like begging the doctor not to do it mm. he's heartbreaking in that scene 
Whereas with Tom David Tennant, you're just like, oh, just die already. You do you do read interviews now, or you see interviews with Bernard Cribbins, and you know, Doctor Who fans come over to him and go, "Why did you kill the tenth Doctor?" And he's like, "Well, I technically didn't. Like, <laughs> you know, since this, he's had legions of fans going, you killed David Tennant.' It's like, well, no, technically, he he adored doing this, though, didn't he? Like in every oh, yeah. interview, he says how much he loved doing this. Well, it, it kind of changed his life in the night in a in a weird sort of way. There's a commentary for Turn Left, and he said, you know, he'd walk down the street after these episodes went out and people, little kids would go, oh, it's granddad, <laughs> you know, oh. and say things like that. And it, it got, I mean, I knew who he was before Doctor Who anyway, but it got different, younger generations know who he was. I think it was a genius bit of casting as well. Here we go. Mm. Oh, take the gun. I always cheer when his name pops up at the beginning, like in the title sequence. I was like, hey, there he is. Sorry, I'm pausing for a minute to see the acting. Talk yeah, amongst yourselves. This, this scene. So then my cat's crying as well. Even he's sad. <laughs> oh, come on. I, I kind of wish, I just yeah, kind of wish fun. they had like a half season together. Because I would love to have oh, seen how that would have played out. And the saddest thing about this episode is, you know, you do that whirlwind tour at the end and you see Rose and Martha and Mickey, and Jackie and Wilf and Sylvia, and you're saying goodbye to all those characters now. Rusty Davis on his way out. And that's really sad because they were great characters. Who would you say is your... Um, your favourite Harrison of all the family members of the Rusty Davis era, who works best for you? Oh God! Uh, yeah, uh, my favourite family member. I, I'd have to say it was Jackie. Okay. I just because when we see, like, we have two seasons of her. Uh, we see her in um, series one, and then we get more development from her. We just get we we get like a mini arc of her, and I just yeah I just feel like I know a lot more about Jackie Tyler than I do um, uh, Martha's mum or oh, she was evil. Uh, I'm sorry to say this, David. I, I feel like I know Jackie more than Sylvia. Right, I'm off. I'm I'm, I'm leaving the school. I say I've had none of this. <laughs> do you know why Sylvia Noble terrifies me? Because that is basically my mum. <laughs> <laughs> the constant disappointment. <laughs> but, then, but that's. That's the other thing, like, again, on, on the commentary for Turn Left, um, Sylvia talks about, like, being recognised in the street, and kids will go over to be like, oh, I don't like you, and then the <laughs> kids smile, and then they'd be really happy to see her. Oh. But do you remember that scene in Love and Monsters where Jackie confronts Elton and says mm -hmm. how hard it is to be left behind? That's the, yeah. that's the best mm -hmm. of that episode. Like, Yeah. There are some, oh. really, there are some really beautiful moments in that episode. And then, and then the monster appears. Bernard Cribbins is crying. Oh, that's such a such a sad scene. Now David Tennant's crying. Oh, now I'm crying. It's like I talked about Turn Left earlier. The thing I love most about Turn Left is those three performances from Catherine, Bernard, and Jax. 
you could put that in anything. I mean, we talked about this about David Suchet and whatnot. You could put those performances in anything and it worked. And there's one shot in Turn Left that I absolutely love. And it's the scene where Donna comes through the door and oh, the close-up yeah. is right up in Sylvia's face. And she doesn't move. She doesn't blink or anything. And she and all she says is yes, I think. Or says it's just like, yeah. But you can see that she's so tired. She's, she's depressed. And she's not doing, like I said, she's not doing anything. She's just looking. And it's an incredible, incredible bit. As is, like I said, the bit with Bernard saying about the labour camps, that whole, the three of them. I don't know why, I just, I do genuinely feel like there were more acting, like serious acting opportunities in this era than all the others. And, you know, you were talking about guest actors earlier. Now, you and I have had this conversation, David. Harrison, like, when you think about Bill Bailey and Arabella Weir and, like, how that Moffat era would waste. Sorry, Bill Bailey. Yeah, he was in a Christmas special for like two scenes, and they were very unmemorable. Which Christmas, which Christmas special? Uh, the Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe. You know when they went inside the present under the tree. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that one. That, it's yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is that is a Christmas special. That's yeah. I watched once, and then I was like, nah, I don't, this isn't. Yeah, not for me. I quite like it. Oh, oh yeah, honestly. I like it, like it. I just well, there, there were two I, it words didn't do much for me. I just felt a bit meh towards it. There are two words about that Christmas special I like, and that's Claire Skinner. Yeah, but Claire Skinner always plays Claire Skinner. I've never seen her act. No, she All no, she, she does doesn't. is play the same part in everything. Wait, are you talking about the mother? Yeah. Yeah. She's... I've only ever seen her in that and um... outnumbered. Oh, outnumbered. Yeah. It's the, the same character. No, it's not. It totally is. It feels very similar, but oh. I do like her. I do. She was the best part of that episode. Harrison, that's why I like you best. You agree with me? <laughs> Sorry, David. Sorry, audience. I'm pulling a face. I can't see that. <laughs> what's going on now? I have no idea what's happening. That's an interest. Do you know that reminds me of the Senate in Star Wars? You remember, like the big Senate they had with uh, all the different yeah. representatives. Yeah. But on a Doctor Who budget. Mm. It's quite a coup to get Timothy Dalton in this, isn't it? Really, I mean, it's quite. You know, it's, it's pretty. Considering he doesn't really do very much, really, he just sort of stops about with a hand and pole. I think what he needed to do, he needed to like uh, really have a lot of gravitas in that final confrontation, and he does. Yeah. <clears throat> but he was going to come back and do Hellbent in series nine. Uh, and, and he it read was, the script. It was no, well, yeah. But um, <laughs> it was only because of there was like scheduled, scheduling issues that they got someone else. And he read the script. And he read the script, yeah. Has anyone done a commentary for Kill the Moon? No, no one's asked, funnily enough. Oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> I surprise, like surprise. Kill the Moon. What? Why don't you like it? Oh, Jesus. How long have we got? Oh. Harrison, why don't you like it? It's an egg. Um, oh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the payoff at the end kind of sucks out any dramatic tension that the episode had 
what was you, are you talking about the bit where uh like the moon lays another egg that's actually bigger than itself yeah the whole, <laughs> the, whole the whole thing was uh you have this choice um you either let the moon hatch and potentially that's going to change uh in the future forever or um you don't you don't let it hatch and you just have a moon and i think weren't they gonna like have a wasn't it gonna kill the thing inside or something anyway so you that's the dilemma those are the two things that that's the choice that clara has to make and that's a big choice because you, this is yeah do you know what that was originally going to be called clara's choice mission abort and the oh, whole God. thing is like an abortion um uh, parody God. wow and they were going to call it mission abort like that's just dreadful isn't it? there's there's one thing i like about kill the moon and that's uh, um uh the lady from cold feet i've got the name well she's pretty unmemorable as well though isn't she yeah but but I, the, courtney hated her she she was like I just hated, you know, there's that scene, I mean, there's that scene where she's about to get killed by the spiders and everyone's going, no, don't do it. And I'm just like, yeah, do it. It's really <laughs> annoying. Please. Eat, eat, yeah. eat the child. <laughs> I just remember, I remember watching it and just going, that's 45 minutes of my life wasted. I'm never getting it back. That's how I, I think if the payoff had been better, like, okay, let's just, let's just for one moment entertain the idea that the moon is an egg. Had it hatched and had a significant impact on the earth, that would have been interesting had it hatched and then left fine the fact that it hatched and then laid another moon oh my god oh come on as if that's the most absurd twist in doctor who no it's not that it's the fact that it go you sit for the whole episode thinking what's it going to be and then at the end they go it's an egg you think really i know for me it wasn't that it was um for me it was just the uh okay so the moon's yeah the moon's an egg the creatures unleashed what are the ramifications of this oh there's there's no consequence there's no consequence yeah. to this action because it lays another egg and think, uh, all is all is all is fixed and done harrison had that been why? had that been rusty davis's era i think there would have been consequences that they would have they would have continued that story oh yeah but... i think no, you know what? had there been consequences i would have loved i, I think clara would have been really justified by in um in her feelings towards Peter Cowley, that might have changed the dynamic completely. Like, okay, you've, you've unleashed this monster, uh, part of the Earth might be destroyed, but you know, this was your choice, and Cowley just turns around and goes, why did you do that to me? And then it, uh, it would have just been, I don't know, there would have been something more there. But as it stands, the moon's an egg. Can I just say, burning cribbins and lasers. Oh yeah, like yeah. this set piece is freaking incredible. Would you mess? Would you mess? Look at him. He's like, Ooh! <laughs> this is a full-on Star Wars moment. Oh, Did they cut the line where it. he says, "I want one as a present"? I feel like, or maybe I imagine that, but I'm sure there's a shot of him like shooting things. He's like, "Oh, I want one as a Christmas present." But you know, maybe genuinely, when I was watching this when it first went out, I was like punching the air. I was like, "This is what I want!" Like, I want these crazy over-the-top set pieces. In his this finale. is what I paid my license fee for. Yeah. Burning cribbins and lasers. Timothy <laughs> spitting. The... Sorry, Harrison. Oh, I was going to say the weeping angels of old. Yeah. What What is that? What What does that mean? I don't know, but they're doing this, aren't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they're putting their hands over their eyes, but that 
why are they considered the weeping angels of old? And why, why, is, why is his mother there? Kneel down. Uh, mother, quotation marks, maybe, maybe not, who knows? Maybe, sorry. I've heard rumours, you know, David, that might have been Susan. Yeah. Could have been I mean, with, uh, with the release of Christian Ovira, is that Tech Tune? Oh, oh my God, it absolutely could be. You heard it here, folks. First, folks, I misheard it and I thought they said titanium. And the first one, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> titanium. you know, that line a minute ago, uh, that John the Sim had where he's like, closer, and there's just no way you can underplay that, is there? Oh, I love all this. This is so melodramatic. I'd love it. Do you know the thing I love about this as well? I know I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but you know when David Tennant falls into the... What he's about to do now, he jumped down into the um, mansion. Yeah. There was a great video of someone saying, but when Tom Baker regenerated, he just fell off a bit of scaffolding, and that made him regenerate. <laughs> yeah. David Tennant jumped yeah. from a spaceship... God knows how much in the sky lands, and that doesn't like freaking him. the impact of that would break yeah. every bone in your body. <laughs> that would that would cause an instant regeneration right there. Yeah, whereas Tom Baker literally just falls off a bit of scaffolding, and that's it. He's, he's a goner. No, but he's like, oh, I'm David Tennant, and I can survive anything. <laughs> I've seen I've seen that episode with Tom Baker. What was with the white ghosts the thing, watcher. like the ghost mummy? Yeah, the Watcher. Watcher. What was? Yeah, that was. Was that not just what was that? Uh, so Harrison, he was the doctor all the time, which is actually a line in that story. Uh, it's what? the it's like the interim between two doctors, like I don't know, some weird spectre that's between the two. It's never. Well, why did they need it? that? Yeah, I, I think it's a sort of show that he is the Watcher is your future self kind of thing. It's like he is, but it's never quite made properly. Yeah, basically. Like, imagine, yourself. imagine if he just wafted onto the screen now and like, woo, I'm the watcher and I'm here. I just like Smith dressed in a white robe <laughs> in the corner, like, I'm coming. I just like the fact in, in that Legopolis, every time every time we walk through Legopolis, the watcher's just there. I could just imagine him running around the whole of that planet going, hello. Um, David. Do you know yeah, who do you know who script edited this story? I don't. Who did? It's Gary Russell. I can feel his fingerprints all over this script because he loves a bit of continuity. The Master, the he Time just, Lord, yeah. Gallifrey. Like his fingers are all over this script. <laughs> oh no, they're doing it again. Okay. <laughs> that must have really. I would have hated to have filmed that. I don't think they genuinely. I think they just did this. Yeah, and, they and then they spit it out. They? Yeah, they just do that. Yeah. I mean, I would ask the pair of you to do it for marketing purposes, but I don't want to embarrass you both. <laughs> and also, it would hurt my head. That's I've got true. a very delicate head. Yeah, yeah, it does actually. So this is a uh, a really odd scene in a minute where I mean, I love it because it's it's very heightened drama. But you know the bit where he's like got the gun and he's pointing at them. And then he's pointing at Rassilon, then he's pointing at the mask. And that's very not Doctor Who, all that sort of gunplay. Hmm. But it, it does feel like the stakes are high enough that he's actually pointing a gun at somebody. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the Doctor only ever uses weapons when he needs to, doesn't he? It's like, 
Yeah. I mean, Colin Baker used it in every opportunity he got, didn't he? I mean, yeah. open the TARDIS door, there was Colin Baker with a gun kind of thing. <laughs> so they've done this a lot, right? This, like, things appearing in the sky and that. This is the most yeah. over-the-top one they've done, this enormous orange planet. I also enjoy the fact that these people, they're, like, they're so used to it now, they should just don't put anything on a shelf because it's going to fall, isn't yeah. it, really? Now, I don't know much about physics, but I think if a planet came that close, we'd be in more trouble than people running about. Oh, yeah. Did you hear that? Sylvia Noble? What a nerve. She's spent a whole season, like, slagging him off, and now she's like, Doctor, please. Don't you say anything about my Sylvia, my girl. David, is it entirely possible to separate the actress from the character? Never. <laughs> but you've got like but here. You, sorry, the, go on. The plan here is very. I feel like the plan is very contrived. So the Time Lords want to come back because Time War's not going so well for them. So they rely on the sticking of code, a signal inside the Master's head, mm -hmm. so that one day the Master will then project himself across the human race to be able to amplify the signal in order for them to come back, then you begin to wonder, well, how are they just doing this on faith? Do they actually know that this is what's happening? <laughs> I don't think I've ever understood it before, so thank you for explaining that to me. Uh, and also, what, they want to turn themselves into ghosts or something? No, creatures of concept, pure concept. That's what they say. What the hell is that all about? Are they like the guests then? Because I want to become like yeah. ghosts. Oh my god, do you remember that? We are the ghosts! Pity us! Pity the ghosts! See, I like this though. Where they talk about Pity the time. The where they talk about the time. Pity war. the Benny! <laughs> Benny! Benny! Benny should just walk in in the background now. Yeah! <laughs> We're getting him back! Um, and bringing Benny back. Yeah. They talk about the time war um, in, in, like, I can't do this seriously anymore. Sorry, Joe. I'm trying to keep him. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say anymore. Can, also, I've got two points really quickly to make. So what is the point of Naismith in this episode? He just no, gets turned back. I think, he, I think it's he's the money. That's all he is to, to make all yeah, this a reality. Money. And secondly, the thing that Bernard Cribbins has just gone in—is that an actual thing? Like, are they are those actual things that you can? I don't say buy, I, but you wouldn't want to buy them. But you know what I mean. I don't think that's a thing. No. That seems that's that seems very much like a what? a creation of the show. It's, yeah, a plot device. It's a contrived a plot, device. plot device to kill off David yeah. Tennant. Yeah, they could have done this a lot. I, I, I get that they're trying to go for spectacle here, but they're doing that at the sacrifice of a logical plot. All right, here's a question for you. Who, which Doctor has the best final episode? Not Matt Smith. She's Louise. Of, of New Who, I think it would be uh, Chris Freckleston. Yeah. I think even down to his regeneration, he looks like he's about to die. And when he's going to, he accepts it. He's not just like... He doesn't get mopey about it, or he doesn't do a big speech. He's just like, right, 
You're going to have to hold on a second. I've had a chain. This is the thing that time lords do. I've really enjoyed our time together. However, I'm going to turn out next. Let's, let's, yeah, let's see where we go from here. He changes. Boom, we've got the new doctor. And it's really nice how he gives the explanation. So he's almost like telling the kids that are new to the series, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to be different. Don't worry, it's mm. going to be okay. Mm. But you know, had they done the original Peter Capaldi finale, which was going to be the Doctor Falls, the second part, that Cyberman two part, I think he would have had some competition because that's a really good episode. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they should, yeah. they should, he should have regenerated at the end of that. Instead, they went what? for that comedy sexist first Doctor episode and, well... Let's talk about that. Yeah, they kind of, I think the reason for that, wasn't it because Chris Chibnall didn't want to do a Christmas special mm. and Steve Moffat felt obliged? Yeah. And then he didn't mm. do one anyway, <laughs> so they lost it anyway. Yeah. But, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna make a defence for this episode because I love the spectacle in this. I like the mm. acting opportunities. And I the last 10 minutes, which is like a whirlwind of the Rusty Davis era, it's some of my favourite stuff. Like in New Who, so I think there's some yeah. really good stuff in here as well. I just think it's over long. That's all. Mm. I I think a lot of the these two episodes are contrived. I think there's some great acting moments, but the things that like the dominoes that were set up to be able to have those payoffs yeah. are very yeah. wonky. <laughs> They're like far and few, like few and far between, and yeah, it's just. Don't get me wrong, when I first watched this episode, I, I did, it was emotional, but then looking back at it, it's, yeah, yeah, there's a very odd, it's a very disjointed way of ending it. I think I, 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 I do I, love, oh sorry, no, 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 go on. But I do love the moments between uh, Bernard and David, I just, I adore these moments, and from what I remember, I really liked the goodbye sequence. Yeah. It's just nice to be able to go, like, it, it feels like it's putting a bookend on this era of Doctor Who. Although Tennant obviously get, has to say it in the most uh, arrogant way possible, I'm off to get my reward. Not I'm off to see my mm. friends. <laughs> I'm off to yeah. get my reward. Get out of the way. Oh, this is so over the top. I love it. <laughs> just the thing, when they were shooting this, Timothy Dalton was just reacting to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, John Sim is throwing nothing. <laughs> yeah. I went to Brada for this. <laughs> <laughs> I think with this, I do, I do like End of Time. Uh, and I, I really enjoy it. But I don't think we've ever had a Doctor leaving story as big as this since, in my opinion. No, you know, I mean, this this really did feel like it was like this is the end of Doctor Who because Dave Tennant's going, you know, because yeah. as I said in part one, he made it so successful and so big that they kind of this is kind of them going, well, you might as well not watch the series now, as I think you said you said it earlier, didn't you? Like it, it, it just kind of feels like it's it's so epic, yeah. but in a way, yeah. I kind of like episodes of Doctor Who, which is kind of what I liked in the classic era, where it was just a normal story, and then at the end, the Doctor would leave, you know, would regenerate. There was no there was no thing of them going, I'm going to regenerate, and I've got one hour left till this episode finishes, I'm going to regenerate. Whereas mm -hmm. in the classic era, it was, you know, like Planet of the Spiders, John Pertwee's last one, he has an adventure, and then at the end, he gets poisoned, and he has to regenerate. But, but you know, like, every now and again, no matter what criticism we can throw at this, you get a scene like this. 
yeah you know and, and it's like it's the best some of the best that doctor who's ever been and you're like okay so yeah. maybe it's worth all the flab for for the gold and this was jaw dropping i mean i saw i remember watching this when it went out and just being so shocked oh man i can hear the knocks and the music goes like it's like da, na, na, na. Yeah. and just look at his face as well that's the other thing you know mm. just watch david tennant that just is like know. a that is like an oh, old, yeah, old fuck is. face if ever i saw mm-hmm. one yeah. and bernard's so innocent isn't he he's like uh excuse me <laughs> yeah but do you think like because he knows about the knocking four times so do you think he's doing it on purpose it was me no, I all along so. <laughs> no. oh come on this bit yeah. good oh but i i've heard so many people criticize this scene for the doctor's hubris but like this this whole arc with the specials like you remember in the last one in the waters of mars where he literally said like time is going to bend to my world he's so he's so insanely arrogant at this point of course he was going to have this moment he thinks he can do anything at this point and And also i mean if i if i was in that situation and bernard gribbins was in a radiation chamber and the only way to get him out was to go in there himself i'd be like yeah get me in yeah as long as long as bernard gribbins survives i don't mind but i've always said this this scene with david tennant screaming his head off saying i could have done so much more like yeah it's hyper arrogant and this is why he had to go this is why this doctor had to go because he he was believing in his own myth too much at this point and we needed that that floppy haired child to come along But the thing I like about Matt Smith is um, instead of like building on the arrogance, uh, I suppose there is a little bit of arrogance there, but what he does is he kind of throws his reputation around. Yeah. He does that quite a bit in the Moffat era. Well, I think think in the Moffat era, this show becomes about the Doctor in a massive way. The Doctor's death, the Doctor's future, the Doctor's past. Yeah, he does like his long, his long overarching stories. That don't, uh, that don't always, they don't always tie up neatly. But yeah. don't always. I, Do they ever? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hate that scene with Dorian where he just says, "Doctor Who." Oh, God. Yeah. Doctor Who. And you remember the Daleks are all like, "Doctor Who, Doctor Who." Oh, 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 listen to him. Okay, here's a question. Who's more ar- who's the more arrogant doctor, David Tennant or Matt Smith? David Tennant. I'd say. Oh, do you know what though? I always find oh, Matt sorry. Smith. Um, uh, um, uh, I'd probably go David Tennant, but yeah. I, find, I, I think that Matt Smith does worse things and he hides it all under that very childish facade. I think he's really mm. insidious sometimes. But then you got someone like Peter Capaldi who oh yeah is arrogant, but I love it. I love it because mm. he just doesn't give a he does, does doesn't give a shit, which I like about his doctor. It's kind of like yeah, well you're gonna die, so what? Do you Everyone remember that dies. that line he has in Into the Dalek when that guy's just died and he goes, well if you want to talk to him, he's the first layer over there. That's yeah. like, oh that's terrible. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah, yeah, I do like Peter Capaldi's arc in his series. I don't think his episodes were brilliant, but what he did with the material was really good. Um, he has got, yeah. he's, he's got some cracking episodes, I thought, but I agree. It's, most of his stuff is not great. Who would you yeah. say is like the best actor 
to play the Doctor in the new series. Oh, Peter Capaldi. Yeah, I'd agree yeah. with that, yeah. I, it would be a strong... Uh, it's either Peter Capaldi for me, or it would be Chris Dreckleston, because he did something very different with the role, but it still felt like the Doctor. And it did kind of... It did usher in this era. It brought in the new... Yeah, the new Who era. Who's the weakest, then? I think we all know that. Oh, if you if you two are thinking Jodie Whittaker, I don't think that at all. I think she, I think she is the weakest, um, and it's not her fault. I think it is the writing, and right. she, apparently she's not. I, I don't think she's a fan of the series either. No, she's not. Like she, she was told by Chris Chibnall not to watch. I I I, I, think I remember hearing somewhere where it was. Um, he says, "Okay, don't watch." Uh, don't watch what came before. We're just going to do what we're going to do. And because of that, because she doesn't have any influence of what came before, she's just going off of the scripts. But and I, we all know what the scripts are like. Well, I, well they I, are very exposition heavy. I mean, I'm going to disagree with you there as well because I don't think they're anywhere near as bad as people say those scripts. I think there's some problems. I don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think there are some solid episodes in there as well. Because you you asked me this in, in the Not Knock episode, you were asking about sort of my ranking of the new series Doctors. Mm. As I had said on that, I mean, I don't not like Jodie Whittaker. I think she's I think she's a great Doctor. She just hasn't had her moment. No, each Doctor has had their moment where you go. Oh, I can think, think of some moments. I I I would agree with David though. Like with with every Doctor. Uh, like David Tennant's first episode, by the end of the episode, you're like, okay, he's the Doctor. In Matt Smith, it's when he's on the rooftop staring at the eye. He comes forward and he's like, I'm the Doctor. And you see that and you can feel it in his performance. With Peter Capaldi, you get the same thing. With Jodie, it just, it felt like her first episode was like post-regeneration um, quirks. Yeah. yeah. But then throughout her entire run, she still has those post-regeneration quirks. Mm. Yeah, because like for me, like Peter Capaldi, I knew he was. I liked him from the word go, but it was for me. I was like, he's the Doctor, and there's a scene in Flatline where he where he comes out of the tunnels and he goes, "I am the Doctor." Well, the if man that, who if stops that's what the you're monster. talking about, if you're that's talking about moment. like grandstanding moments like that, I don't really like those moments. I think they're overdone. When the David Tennant goes, you know, I'm the I'm the Doctor from Gallifrey in the constellation of Castle, and I'm going to oh, yeah, save everybody. But, but, like, oh, fuck not, not so much, know, like, not so much that. But I'm, 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 for that, I just mean Peter Capaldi specifically. There are other moments as well, but I just think for Jodie, there's just there's not there hasn't been that moment, and it's not her fault. It's the way I, the I thought she written. had that moment I, in that first Dalek story where she stood up to that Dalek. I thought that was a wicked moment. Yeah. But the first Dalek story was the end of her first series. Exactly. Oh, they'd they'd won that a little bit earlier. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Maybe that's true. I mean, for me, something like Rosa does a good job of that final scene oh, in Rosa yeah. where they say you can't stand up. I mean, that's a, that's a very powerful scene, but then you, that focuses more on Bradley Walsh because he's the person that doesn't you know he's the part he is the reason that rosa does what he what she does but the close-ups so on her face she doesn't say a word but the, mm. the pain on her face that she doesn't want to be there and be in that moment mm. also martha with dreadlocks look at her now. now this is because she was doing sensei wasn't she and that was her haircut in sensei oh i didn't know that uh -huh. 
<laughs> so Harrison, this uh, whirlwind tour of the Rusty Davis era, City and Martha and Rose and everybody, is this complete self-indulgence or is this worth doing at the end of the era? Hmm. Oh, that is, that is a really good question. Oh, thank you. I think, I think, oh, I mean, it is a nice way to end the series. You get to see everyone, you say goodbye, and then it's, it feels like this is closed, it's closed this chapter of uh, Doctor Who. But on the other hand, it does, I mean, it does question like, why i, I suppose yeah it's a oh tough God, one isn't it because i think i think oh. both both answers are probably yes you know it's like it's like yes or it can be yes or no mm. here we go this I'm, i know i'm sorry i know i'm gonna weep oh man do you know why rusty davis wrote this scene because on the Sarah Jane adventures all the kids always cross the road on their phones not looking so he wanted to make a point of it <laughs> Oh no! Oh God! Do you know it's ten years ago since she died? I can't, be I can't believe that. Oh, there you, she is. Um, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but when she died, I don't think like someone who had been that much a part of my childhood had passed before, and mm. I felt like genuine grief. Mm. I did. Too. Oh, look at her. Oh, she's beautiful. Oh, I love this. Song. Sorry, sorry, carry on. Oh, sorry, I just had to have a moment of silence for. I mean, this, Sarah is, this is pure indulgence. It's every single monster we've I, met the Slovene, the Jadoon. Yeah. Apparently, this is a gay bar. Apparently, in the script, this was supposed to be a, a, an alien gay bar. Yeah, well, that's a gay adipose there on the bar. And he's pissed. Wait. Huh. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, apparently in the script it's supposed to be a, like an alien gay bar that the Doctor saw Captain Jack at. Hmm. Right, so this is where the Doctor chose to go before he dies. <laughs> an alien gay bar. Well, that's like Captain Jack would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's true. But do you know what, right? When I watched Voyage of the Damned, I was like, oh my God, Rusty Davis, uh, Russell Tovey is playing a character who's not gay. How, what? A, how refreshing is that? And then then they drop this scene yeah i like the fact there's just a gay a gay jadoon <laughs> and a gay slovene yeah this the gay slovene is something that kind of came went through my mind i was like wait what <laughs> <laughs> oh harrison there are possibilities honestly <laughs> <laughs> he has got incredible ears hasn't he russell tovey <laughs> something to hang on to sorry <laughs> I mean, I don't. Uh, uh, David. Oh, I love this bit. Now, this bit oh, is very indulgent, this. but mm. it's beautiful. Any excuse to get it just going. This is this is one where I'd say this is a bit self-indulgent. Mm. I do love. I love the idea. I just think if you were going to say goodbye, say goodbye to the character, not. The great great granddaughter of the character. Yeah, actually you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd go back and, yeah. and, and just see her from a distance. 
Mm. Maybe it was too hard for him to go. To go. So it, it's 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 kind of weird though because the more I watch this, the more I think, in a way, it's quite nice them to bring back Jessica Hines to just do this little cameo or just mm. it, it, like you say, it gives it closure for the whole era really. Mm. And you know, Jessica Hines got a day's work out of it as well. She yeah. got she got. But the, 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 so, but the, the inference there is what Joan Redfern was that much of an impact on his life mm. that he was genuinely. Well, also they're, best, they're busy mates, aren't they? So I, I bet oh. Dave Tennant was like, "Oi!" Oh, but Donna got a happy ending, and I'm really happy yeah. about that. Hmm. Oh, and they brought Neris back as well. <laughs> Friends and <laughs> Neris. <laughs> Oh, Bernard Cribbins gave a man a kiss, honestly. Well, he, got, he gets June Whitfield, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, this is all lovely. Oh, as I'm assuming you've all seen the gif that comes out of the scene in a minute where Bernard Cribbins is oh. crying and, like, going, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen um, David Tennant doing 500 miles with oh, the casters? Yes. I have, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, that's, it's, that's fun. That's I like that. And the fact that uh, <laughs> he gets the pound from Jeffrey Noble, that bit always makes yeah. me cry whenever I say It's her reaction. But that's a nice little nod, isn't it, as well? So the fact, sort of saying, if the actor was still alive, he'd be here. Kind of, do you know what I mean? Sort of. Yeah. A nice little nod to the fact that he's not there anymore. Honest to God, you're having a nice party in it, David Tennant. Bringing a downer on everything. How old is Donna supposed to be? I think she's she's supposed to be like a late thirties. I think. Right. Because uh, in real life, it was the first time that an assistant was older than the doctor in like age wise. Oh, really? But you know, it's one of those few times where I say that she was definitely like a co lead. Rather than a doctor mm. and companion. Mm. Yeah. I just wanted to give you this. No, I could agree with that. She was definitely I, I felt she was more more than just a companion. Mm. I felt she was in charge most of the time. <laughs> Donna Who. Donna Who, yeah. Oh look no. at this. Have it, he said. Like, and, uh, okay, this is one thing I would say Rusty Davis definitely gets better than either of the others who, and that's those real emotional sting, those bits that really make you feel something. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. You've got this nice little twist, haven't you, at the end that they, they win the lottery. <laughs> How cheap is that? <laughs> it's Sylvia's face. She's like, oh my God, we're going to be rich. Sean. <laughs> do you guys do either of you guys have a Donna Noble in your life? My friend Alison, she is literally Donna Noble. So she's about four foot ten. She's tiny, but she's gobby, just like Donna. Do you guys have a Donna? It's just me. <laughs> yeah, David. <laughs> Harrison, and that makes you the doctor. Oh, oh wonderful. What a dashing doctor you would make. Oh, there it is. There's that oh, gift. That really is. Oh, there's the gift. <laughs> oh, and this bit with Rose. Now, I, I don't really care that people object to Rose. This scene is so gorgeous. Uh, I do like this scene. Yeah, it's quite clever, actually. Yeah. 
again, I, the more I watch this, the more I like it. But at the time, I was like, oh. and it's Jackie being all, being all self-deprecating, and no one mentions the police box on the corner. <laughs> That is one thing actually about series one that's quite funny. It's like the fact that the TARDIS is on a council estate and nobody says anything. Well, they, they spray paint it. That's true, yeah. Graffiti it with Bad Wolf. Yeah. God, the hell happened to uh, Billy Piper's teeth between series two and four? Well, I'm to her acting skills. No, it's not. Well, she's wearing a wig here, isn't she? Because. Is she? Yeah, 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 that's that's not her hair. It's weird as well because she looks older there, and this is obviously supposed yeah. to be 2005. It's a bit, but yeah. even so, like this, this is like literally putting a bow on the era, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Although it would have been nice if once he regenerated, she'd be like, Oh, I saw you once on a council estate tonight. <laughs> Oh, in like the first episode of Rose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's got a lovely smile. But okay, I, I remember when I first watched this, this was the point where I was like, you just die now. Like, he yeah, stumbles yeah. into the TARDIS and it's the, the chorus goes mad. I think the thing also saying about the whole going to see people. You know, Russell T. Davis did like bringing people back to do, and I think, pe in a way, actors were more up for doing little cameos just to kind of help Russell out. Like, you look at Series 4, and that finale, you've got Penelope Wilton coming back as Harriet Jones for a couple yeah. of scenes. You've got um, Martha's mum. You know, it, it kind of feels like that they're more up for writing. Trying to say this in a way that doesn't sound silly, but, like, with the Moffat and the Chipnell era, they bring people back for cameos that they don't need to bring back. And it yeah. makes no sense. Whereas with the Rusty Davis era, you bring people like Francine back and you go, well, that would make sense. Okay, she's only in two scenes. Hmm. Imagine if there was this big finale featuring Clara's yeah. gran and Amy's dad, who were both in like one scene each. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's the thing that Moffat doesn't do very well. I, again, I still remember bringing Charles Dickens back for the that what, series six finale yeah. and thinking, what's the fucking point in that? And Winston Churchill, wasn't it, as well? Yeah. Oh, so I played this music to a friend of mine who's like a massive um, opera buff. And I'm going, what, which one's this from? And she came back at me and she was listing all these bloody operas. And I was like, oh, I don't think it's that one. No. <laughs> it is beautiful music, though. I thought oh, you were yeah. going to say that you, you play it at work, like when the customers are walking around the store. <laughs> The unnamed work, thank you. Like they're looking at letters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go to... Other salad items are also available. Yeah, other, yes. <laughs> other green items are available. But look, this is just going on forever now, isn't the it? opera's going over. <laughs> other operas are available. And also, oh, yes. like, wouldn't it have been better for him to have a line of, like, acceptance rather than, oh, I want to go. We're, I've seen other versions of this where he's, there's different levels of intensity. So we've oh, got okay. one where he's just, he's indifferent, like, oh, I don't want to go. <laughs> the middle one where he's kind of upset. <laughs> and it's like the one we see here is the one that is the middle one. 
And then you've got the third one where it's, it's, he's almost blubbering in tears. Where he's like, I don't want to go. <laughs> Is there a version where he's like Vilma from Orphan 55? I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> That We're bringing brilliant. him back. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Sonic screwdriver on the floor. <laughs> but didn't they shot me back? <laughs> bringing me back. Don't bring me back, for God's sake. Please don't bring Maisie Williams back. God help us. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Jesus. <laughs> I think we all have consensus that that didn't quite work. Yeah? Yeah. And also, because what, what you're saying, Harrison, because didn't they shoot that? Didn't they shoot this scene a couple of times and then they didn't tell David Tennant which reaction they were going to use wasn't that I think, right i think so i i remember seeing a, like a behind the scenes where he said that oh and then he's here again i don't want to go but i'll tell you what did you hear the <laughs> sheer pretentiousness of the music there where it's like holly, yeah. holly, holly. it's like uh, I, 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 it is quite sad i will admit because it's you're saying goodbye to the doctor but, oh, but it was, yeah there is a level of pretentiousness in there that's even the regeneration takes forever. Yeah. Get on with it. Anniversary when he said it, you know, in that in the final scene in the fifth anniversary, he goes, "I don't want to go," and all the people going, "Oh God!" Oh look, and they're yeah, going to get rid that of this. Was they're going to get rid of this happened. beautiful console room and bring in that chrome and glass thing. Ugh. There's a bit of polystyrene there. Yeah. That uh, way. I would have used a different shot if I was the director because that just looks like a bit of polystyrene thrown on the floor. That'll do. But it's like it's like they really wanted to give Matt Smith a chance because all of a sudden the music's like do 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 and it's really fun and you're like okay, let's go. Oh. I I do wonder who wrote this part. Like uh, this was Moffat. Did, this was absolutely the original Moffitt. script end with uh, Russell T. Russell T. Davis going, I don't want to go. He regenerates and then. Stephen Moffat was like, okay, I'll write this scene. Yeah, you're, no, you're spot on. That's exactly, that's exactly how it went. And I, I do quite like the fact that Matt Smith, when he regenerates it, is such a quick, you know, it's such a different thing where with this, it's taking quite a long time. Whereas with Matt Smith, he just puts his Sneezes, head back and he's there. He? Yeah, he he goes, oh. But yeah, he still has time for a 10 minute speech though. Yeah. I'm already a bit annoyed watching him. Yeah, I mean, had David Tennant been more like accepting of this, yeah, like okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have fun, whatever I, whatever I turn out to be next, and then it led into this, I wouldn't have minded so much. And I'm sure a lot of other people wouldn't have, but while he's having fun and doing all these bouncy things, millions of people are crying. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's quite jarring, isn't it? It's got jarring change of tone. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask both of you this question because I do this at the end of every single story. Uh, Harrison first. Why, on the back of this commentary, where we barely talked about the end of time, (laughs) should should people... The commentary for the end of time and we don't talk about the end of time. But we covered the Jodie Whittaker era beautifully. Uh, Why why should somebody go to their... (laughs) shelf right now pick up the end of time and stick it on why should they stick it on there are some really beautiful character moments in this i think there are some really great action moments as well if you're looking for yeah if you're looking for that i I think this is a great episode for it i think it will tug at emotional heartstrings 
Uh, yeah, emotional heartstrings. They'll be target heartstrings. Oh, oh no! Um, I'm yeah. sold. I'm going to get it now. Oh no! I've just watched it. <laughs> uh, David, did you say emotional heartstrings? That's yeah. I said that. And I was like, no, emotional heartstrings. No, no, no. I was say that. Guys, I heartstrings be, be emotional. Yeah, I just that yeah. needs to be the title for this episode. Emotional. Did you heart hear strings. that music at the end? Someone was tugging at emotional heartstrings. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, um, David. Um, for me, it would be two words, and it would be Bernard Cribbins. Oh, not Sylvia Noble. Well, yeah, her too, obviously, you know. With the good <laughs> that. But I think for me, I think what I love so much about this episode is you get Bernard Cribbins being an assistant. He's absolutely amazing. Um, as Harrison said, it's it's a, it's an emotional goodbye to the Doctor. Okay, the plot's silly. Okay, it doesn't quite make sense. All right, there's hundreds and millions of John Sims, but... <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's an it's an emotional goodbye, and it's very well done. Um, it does pull at the heartstrings, and Bernard Cribbins is in fantastic. Well, I mean, Bernard I, Cribbins is in it. You know, you know how there's that like um, previous... <laughs> and it's got and it's and it's got the guy from Heidi High in it. What more could you possibly want from a Doctor Who episode? Oh well, I'm really sorry, but I'm gonna uh, diss on episode one now because you've got that kind of previously on at the beginning of episode two. So I'm basically gonna say just don't watch episode one because it's over long and dull. But just watch episode two because it's really exciting. Sorry, David. It's fine. Don't worry. Um, but this just leads me to thank you both. Uh, for, I want to apologise for putting you through that. <laughs> but it's it's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you so much for your time. I've got a therapy session if you need it, Harrison. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, no, I've, I've had fun. This has been really good. Harrison, I do hope at some point we can entice you back, hopefully to talk about Kill the Moon or something inflammatory. Oh, God. Creature from the pit. Creature from the oh, pit. Oh, creature from the pit, yes. <laughs> I want to be the first... I'm a free there. I want to be the first person to introduce you to that enormous green phallus. 